This is an extra special edition of Pickin' Bones because we got our good buddy Chris Chain from My Season Report. It's been too long, Chris, since we've had you on the show. Honestly, it was kind of it been too long since we talked. You know, we were uh, talking pretty regularly there, and then I kind of realized, you know, it's like, man, I haven't talked to Chris in forever. I need to get back on the podcast. So it's good to catch up with Chris. Chris, of course, is a uh, science teacher brethren. Um, he he knows the he knows the uh, the ups and downs of that profession well, and he is a very good teacher from what I can tell. Somebody who likes his likes for his students to be able to live out science, not just hear about the principles, but be able to see how they connect to their lives. So um, Chris is a very very. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe ideal teacher to have for your own kid. Like if you get, if you see uh, Mr. Chain is on your kids um, lineup for the fall classes or whatever, you're, you do a little fist fist pump. You know what I mean? You're just, you're just happy about that. They're, they're the kind of teachers that make a difference. So Chris, good to have you back on, buddy. Um, let's get a quick uh, my season update right now. Uh, things are still uh, developing and rolling along there. Um, there's it's just outstanding to see all the information that gets posted regularly. Um, what's what's been going on with my season? Yeah, so uh, after uh, first off, happy to be back on. And uh, after that introduction, which, uh, I don't know, it's all downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but no, thanks for having me back on. And uh, yeah, season report is is in the midst of the spring season, and so if you're trying to figure out what foraged foods are around you, what what spring seasons are are available in your area, or how to start your garden off, go to seasonreport.com and learn your area. Mm-hmm. Uh, around here, we're I'm in the mountains uh, looking for morels and scouting for turkey. Because uh, the next few weekends I'm going to be out in the mountains, determined to get a gobbler this year. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I want to try harder to get a turkey this year myself. Um, I just I haven't really put a ton of effort into it. But uh, today I was on the phone with a good buddy, Judd McCollum, and uh, while we were talking, I you know like blurted out, "Whoa, look at that Tom!" You know, there's this giant Tom strutting out in this field and beard dragging on the ground. He's just big old bird. And it uh, got me super excited to uh, to give it another go this year. I don't know if I'll be able to get it done. I got some good advice, though, from Heath Rayfield in a recent episode. So if you haven't tuned into that one yet, go back and listen to Heath. It's seriously the best turkey hunting advice I've, I've ever heard. I mean, he just breaks it down very simply. And uh, I think Heath has, has killed or has had clients kill uh, maybe five turkeys since that episode dra- dropped uh, two weeks ago. So he's uh, he is a bad man in the turkey woods. So make sure you go back and, and tune into that. But I'm right there with you, buddy. I'm I'm super excited to try and make it happen for myself, and I hope it works out for you this year as well. But uh, Have you, ever, yeah, you ever got a tour? I've never gotten a turkey. They've uh, same same for you. Yeah, I uh, I think you're exactly right though. You need a good mentor because yes. it's just so you you feel as a deer hunter oh I, I can hunt man i feel like i'm just completely ignorant about every aspect of the turkey last year was our first year really trying to go out and two days of sitting and seeing nothing and then yeah. as we are up we see two running away we're like <laughs> you, you know what 
you know what I'm starting to think, uh, like learn about it and maybe I'm wrong here, but I think it's like a long game of spot and stock. You know what I mean? So, so you kind of like, yeah, you're looking for a good sign, you know, like what's, what's a food source, what's a good roosting area, what's a, you know, but you're also like, Hey, I see there's turkeys over there. I'm going to go over there tomorrow, you know, or I might go knock on that guy's door. Cause I've seen a lot of turkeys in his field, you know, driving to and from work. And I think that like good Turkey hunters, they're really good about that. You know, like the, the spot and stock, but it's, I say it's a long game because it's not like, and, and I think it can be this way too, you know, almost like a run and gun type of, a thing where it's like, oh, I heard a gobble out that way. I'm going, you know, I'm making a move. And Heath would be one of those guys who's capable of doing that. But I think really good turkey hunters also are like, okay, I've seen turkeys over in that field three of the last five days. I bet if I go out there this weekend, they're probably going to be there again, you know, and they're just, they're just good at predicting that. But I don't know. You're right. Being a deer hunter, I don't feel like, other than reading some sign, doesn't really uh, translate over. Those skills don't translate over as as cleanly as I expected them to. No, there's not much transfer. And as far as the sign, I see a lot of them Mm -hmm. probably after season. And that's the only time. And so by the time the calendar comes back around, it's like, are they really there where they were a year ago? I don't know. Right, uh, yeah. One of these times I'm going to get on them. I, I feel like when I really sat down and tried to get a deer with a bow, I went from having deer so close to me with rifle that I was becoming very, very choosy. And then you put a bow in the hand and you're like, I, all right, all right. They're always around me. And then you never see one for two years <laughs> with black bear. And I feel like I'm just through that learning cycle with turkey right now. Yep. Yep. It'll, it'll all come together for you though soon, I'm sure. And, and, uh, you'll have a nice big, uh, uh, fan up on your wall next time we uh, have a, have a podcast conversation. But the other thing though, that people are after in the spring is they start using that forage word. And I was thinking tonight before we did this podcast, you know, forage is just a very fancy word for the other half of our ancestral, uh, uh, menu planning, um, formula, hunting and gathering (laughs) forage is just another word for gather you're out there gathering food and that is such a critical part of historically like i was just kind of joking about but it was such a critical part of what you know ancient man had to be good at because it's a lot easier to uh get food that doesn't run away from you or tries to, uh, <clears throat> attack you or, or whatever, you know? And so, uh, it's, if you say that hunting is a lost art and you say that farming is a lost art, which I would agree with in most people's cases, um, I think you could really say that foraging or gathering food is probably out of those three things, the most lost art. You know, uh, maybe yeah. you could put trapping into that conversation as well if you really wanted to. But <clears throat> it's it's something that I think most people have zero idea. Like they would be, they would probably have more luck going out and killing a deer if there were no seasons and there was no like you know no modern laws. They would have more success going out and killing a deer than they would going out and finding some morel mushrooms. 
Um, oh, yeah. It, just because, I mean, it, it takes some serious knowledge. And I'm always impressed by the people who really know what they're doing when it comes to foraging. It's just there's so much knowledge that's uh, in in their long-term memory that they're applying, and uh, they read the woods in a totally different way. So what are some uh, quick tips for somebody who's starting off at square zero and they want to get into foraging, and we'll, we'll just go with what's timely right now, morel mushrooms. What are some quick tips for finding some morels? Well, uh, morels tips are the trees, poplar, elm. Some people say apple. Uh, in my experience, and a lot of people, if you talk to them, you know, everybody lists off those trees. Something that is not sometime a year where it's not freezing at night. It's 60s or 70s during mm-hmm. the day, south facing earlier than the north. Uh, I, I mean, it, it all makes sense. But if you talk to any seasoned morel hunter, which I am not, but if you talk to any one of them, they all say some form of, yeah, but kind of like those are the rules, but throw them out the window because there's also, I found them next to parking lots before and yeah. I, where I should find them and I haven't seen them ever. And mm-hmm. so as far as tips, yeah, I pay attention to that stuff, but um, really just go get out in the woods, hike, mm-hmm. and then... Um, I have heard like one of the best things is just take the time to take a picnic when you're out mm-hmm. hiking and actually sit down. And that's why turkey hunting is so good for it. You're sitting in one spot and you're kind of forced to look around. And they're so similar in texture and color to all the stuff on the, you know, all the decaying leaves and stuff in the, the forest floor that it might take a few minutes to really stand out yeah. in front of you. Notice it's a morel. Yeah. I've, I've learned that in my own experience, uh, looking for morels um you just have to stare at the ground you have to look at the ground slowly you know so uh i love the thing that you're talking about with the tree species and we've heard i just read another thing tonight this guy was saying um like you mentioned elm i have heard poplar before he didn't mention poplar but i have heard that when i've heard the apple tree one as well um uh but uh, he also mentioned sycamore trees, uh, mm. and he mentioned hard maples, and um, those might have been the only tree species. But his his point was, you know, so with shed hunting, you always say you got to keep your your eyes like at kind of like a thirty to forty five degree angle. You know, you like you always got to be looking down. But he said you got to be looking up when you're mushroom hunting because you're using those trees to kind of like guide you to like zero in on the the spot. And then, but exactly like what you said, you can get to that spot. And I've done this before where you like walk up and you're like, I don't see anything. And then you're then like somebody standing next to you. Oh, here's one. Here's one. You know, it's because they took the time to like really just slowly – I don't even know if I want to use the word scan, but slowly look over the ground. Um, and like you said, they're just so camouflaged. But then once you start, once I feel like once you see that first mushroom, your your eye and your brain are like on the same page and boom, they all start popping at that point. So I, I totally agree there. Now, the other thing you mentioned too was um, the weather 
and when you're talking about it, you're talking about soil temp, right? You're t- the it has to be a certain. Do you, do you remember what that range is? Ideally, I think it's uh, forty to sixty degrees, and so that's pretty much right about now where it's yep. cool. Uh, as long as there's not a heat wave, it's sixties to eighties during the day. And then it's, it, you know, they dry. I kind of think about it like, um, earlier in the season, I go for the parts of the mountains that are just warming up. So all those Southern facing ones, but as you get closer into May and stuff mm-hmm. where it's more, Oh, summer's around the corner. That's where, uh, you focus on like the Southern more shaded areas that have remained cooler for longer like north facing stuff you know <clears throat> yeah you know if you can find anybody around you or classes there's all kinds of classes where you just local meetups for five bucks you go on a hike with somebody and yeah, they'll that's they'll that's bring huge. you right to uh one thing that i've done is i you know people fight over the morel spots i think some morel hunters are are more um competitive than some like uh backcountry bow hunters on public land yeah <laughs> They will not share anything, and uh, I actually talked one of them that I know into. Look, I, I will leave my phone elsewhere. This is uh, like, trust me, I'm not trying to get your spot. I, will, I promise on my life, I will never come back. I just need to see everything about it. I, I've seen pictures; they don't really do it justice. I need to feel it, the temperature, get a sense of the trees, mm-hmm. how much. I was like, that's all I want, and then I will leave. I won't even want it, and. Uh, and that that helped a lot. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I I agree. I think having somebody uh, that's experienced going with you that that helped me last spring. Um, cousin of mine is like, "Hey, man, let's go look for some morels." And I'm like, "Sounds good." And yeah. sure enough, we got on them, and and uh, you know, it was it was in large part, but also to your point that they can just be somewhere random. Uh, if you listen to my last episode, which is on uh, last year's spring bear hunt in northwest Montana, um, we found out the next morning after the night that we, you know, when we got there and pitched our tents, uh, my hunting buddy had pitched his tent right on a patch of of morels in kind of the middle of this grassy area, you know, and uh, just there were morels growing there. And, um, you know, so that was just kind of a random spot for them to be. So, uh, I have heard, maybe you've heard these as well, Chris, like really disturbed ground, uh, recently disturbed, uh, yep. is, is good as long as the moisture level is, you know, also goes well with it. So like burns and, um, uh, flooded ground, like recently flooded ground I've heard can be really good. So if, uh, you know, actually around here, all the creeks and, rivers are kind of high and hitting flood stage go up on those banks after the water goes down of course um and and making sure you're safe you know you don't want to be at risk for getting swept away in a flash flood or something but maybe you can check a little island or something like that out in the middle of a creek that had water going over it and i've heard guys really cleaning up in spots like that too okay so we got ways for people to find these things now once you got them I know the other part that you do with my season a lot is enjoying the product that you uh, have harvested, whether you caught it fishing or um, tagged it hunting or, um, in this case, found it out in the woods. Uh, any uh, go-to ways of handling uh, morel mushrooms after you you find some? 
that you like to uh, do? So, I mean, I'm not going to say anything that uh, you haven't heard before with, with you know, frying them in, flat, in a flour batter. Or I, my personal favorite is just simple saute with salt and pepper. But just earlier today, before I came out here, I was talking to a friend and uh, he was telling me about the last time he had, he received a huge, a huge stash of morels and the people, they were, they were leaving, they couldn't eat them all or something like that. And they're like, would you like them? And he said, oh my gosh, of course. He said it was, it was like two arms full. It was huge. Mm. He invited so many people over. Hey, we're going to have fried morels. It's going to be great. And uh, he started battering them up. And he didn't label it. He poured all of his stuff into those large OXO containers. And he's like, <laughs> powdered sugar and flour. And he said he battered them and started frying them in this deep powdered sugar mixture. And he said they just shriveled as they dehydrated and candied. And he said they turned into these like tiny little little nuggets that just tasted like sour sugar. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, no. Don't do that. Don't fry them in powdered sugar, but yeah, yeah, frying them up. I've heard people using like uh, Ritz cracker crumbs and and stuff like that, and uh, you know, kind of kind of adding a little extra crust to them or something when you fry them. Um, but yeah. but yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard that as well. And uh, a good friend of mine um, talked about. Um, uh, I think he breads them before he freezes them if he wants them to keep long term uh, i think that's what it was uh I, I can't remember if i got him on the podcast to talk about morels or if i just talked about it in another morel episode that we've had i think you can go back and listen to oh it'd probably be back in like the 30s maybe 40s yeah probably 40s uh with uh garrett fike and uh, listen about uh, him finding morels, and I think we talk about um, how to how to preserve those. And if it's not him, then it's with Alex Earhart, because Alex Earhart is the guy that taught me how to do that. But I think he said you bread them and then freeze them, and they can they can then keep because that is part of it. And that's probably why your buddy ended up with those morels because those people knew. <laughs> they weren't going to be able to preserve them themselves. So the best time to eat a morel mushroom is now. Um, do you do anything else like from like a preparation standpoint, Chris, do you, uh, <clears throat> do you soak them in salt or anything like that before you, you fry them, chill them in the fridge or anything for a night? Uh, so what I'm planning on doing this year is yeah, soaking them, uh, rinsing them. But my, my neighbor is a really skilled chef and he was suggesting putting some, uh, some cream cheese inside of them and kind of bake them. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Almost like a, like a, a pepper popper or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm going to go that route depending, but yeah. hopefully I have, that I get to just have uh, a few different preparations. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I think last year, my wife and I, we fried some up in just, I don't even think we breaded them. I think we just kind of more sauteed them in butter. And yep. that was actually very excellent as well. Um, you know, another thing that you always have to put on here whenever you talk, telling people to go eat fungus um, is uh, you need to um, make sure that you have the right ID. There is a false morel out there. And I believe the difference is the false morel, but d again, double check on this. 
beforehand. You know, do your research online. There's a lot of great resources. Even better yet, go with somebody who's an experienced morel hunter. <clears throat> but I believe the false morels are not hollow on the inside. I believe they have like a uh, like a solid, you know, like core um, stem, like little stem on them, and. A core, like uh, exactly as you're describing, or here in Virginia, it can even be like a cotton, where it's not a completely oh, okay. Dense. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good to know. So kind of almost like a cotton filling on it. You do not have a morel in that case. You have a poisonous mushroom or a toxic mushroom is actually technically a better way to say that, I believe. <clears throat> but yeah, make sure you uh, ID those mushrooms correctly, and then uh, you know. It, enjoy them right away don't don't let them sit around for a couple of days in the fridge you'll be you'll be very sorry that you didn't just cook it up right away because they they uh just as quickly as they show up they disappear and uh you will you will miss out on a good meal and you'll in fact be wondering why people like them at all if you eat them <laughs> a couple of days late they'll be slimy a slimy mess when you rehydrate those those ones that you can buy in the store it's just they taste so bad i mean they're not horrible but they are nothing compared to the real thing right i've never tried that and i don't i don't really plan to but you know i think one of the beauties of morel mushrooms is that you know other than the way that alex Earhart said and even there you know i it's probably not as good as they are fresh um it's just part of the mystique, you know, they're here for such a short little window. You have just a, a short amount of time to take advantage of them. And then even then after you get them, you can't just freeze them long-term like you do with fish or, you know, deer steak or something like that. You got to eat them now. And uh, then you got to wait another year to find them again. You know, and that kind of brings to mind the other uh, foraged food that I've been lucky enough to really capitalize on this year is red buds. Do you have a, out, out there in the Midwest? I think we do have some red buds. I am not, I think I used to know how to identify them. Do they kind of have a heart-shaped leaf? Um, no, in the spring, I, I don't pay attention in the, the summer and fall with them, but in the springtime, it's very unmistakable purple uh, buds that bunch, and they kind of come off the tips of the of the tree limbs but also along the main stalk too so it almost looks like you have a furry tree at times okay out out you'll probably get those more in landscaping but uh over here in the appalachians they're they're wild and everywhere Mm, yeah so another good thing to be keeping your mind out for there's so much so much information uh on things that can be foraged and you know really the best place to start is to go over to uh, my season report get yourself a uh, a subscription you can get that at season report not my season but seasonreport.com and uh chris how can people follow along on instagram and facebook yeah uh so that's where the the confusion comes in at seasonreport.com and at my season report on instagram and facebook i i tried to get season report but it's a european handbag uh <laughs> That's right. I remember that now. The designer handbag. Uh, yeah, I've had these out, and they're just like, "No, we're good. We haven't published anything in three years, but we're we're good." <laughs> Man, that stinks. But oh, no, it, is what it, it, like it. it is what it is. It is what it is. But 
No, you can get out there and uh, get on to my season report on Instagram, or you can go to just seasonreport.com and get signed up there. And uh, any uh, any big news coming anytime soon there with that, or just more of you know changing with the seasons? Uh, we have uh, you know we're updating information, but there's there's some some very large announcements on the horizon. Uh, I can't awesome. wait. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So be uh, definitely getting on. Give them that follow now so you can see those large announcements coming soon. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, you're a uh, a novice mushroom hunter or maybe you're somebody who's been doing it for your entire life. Um, There's always new ways, though, to enjoy the outdoors. And one of those can quite simply be take somebody else out to do it with you get get somebody else involved be that mentor um but if uh you uh haven't then maybe you need to be looking for somebody like that and use some of those tips that chris gave i think those are excellent on how to ask somebody without stepping on their toes because he's right people are super secretive about their their mushroom honey holes and uh so you're definitely going to want to you're definitely going to want to uh put them in ease that you're not going to go poach it from them uh next season so you know, I, to that, I'd say another uh, another thing to consider there is uh, if you can find something that's more easily attainable, like, you know, a, a red bud, we made some syrup that we made for pancakes, and it's it's excellent. It tastes like a, almost uh, a, a really floral apricot, and, oh, and it's really nice. If you could take that thing that you know how to get, then trade with the person. Yeah, who, that's a great point. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about this this community of hunters and foragers and gardeners, these people that produce their own food, that they're more than willing to trade information and product. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, is, that is an excellent point. Or another thing that Chris is very good at, gardening. could maybe even give him some of your produce uh, from your garden and swap that gift with them to, uh, uh, you know, be gifted in return the experience of learning how to how to find the stuff for yourself. So some excellent advice there from Chris. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Pick and Bones. Uh, please remember to uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet and uh, tell all your friends about it. Get Send them our way. We got so many good topics that are coming up. Uh, we're going to hear the Noel Gandy uh, story on his uh, buck that he's been after for several years now named Stare Down. That's coming up soon. Uh, we should be uh, talking to uh, some other guys in the whitetail realm as well. And uh, you know what? Keep getting out there, getting after those turkeys, and hope anyone who's got some spring bear plans in place that you'll have uh, much success there and safety there. And uh, if not, get out there, look for somewhere else. But until next time, take care and take someone hunting.